Jason Waller here, True Underdog Podcast and YouTube channel. Listen, make sure you subscribe today. You can go to iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can go to our YouTube channel, True Underdog, or you can visit trueunderdog.com and subscribe to all of it. Damn, damn, damn. True Underdog. Damn, damn. Unleash the power Jason Waller here with the True Underdog Podcast, and this is the Own Your Power series. That's right. I'm going to be reading part of my book during this series. There's going to be several weeks that we're finishing this out on the Own Your Power. No excuses. No bullshit. Your time is now. This is a Wall Street Journal, Amazon, and USA Today top seller. I appreciate and love each and every one of you that have downloaded the book or bought the book. You can check out and find the book at OYPbook.com. That's OYPbook.com. And that stands for Own Your Power. So OYPbook.com. Check it out if you want to hear more. I hope you enjoy the reading of this book because I want to know what is your underdog story. You're going to hear mine. Get excited about it. Give feedback. Make sure you give a like. Bam. Chapter one. Principle number one. Make your own map. How the fuck did I get here? If you've had any success, whether being promoted on the job or in your own business venture, I'm betting you've had a WTF moment of your own. That moment when the impossible becomes true in your underdog story. The night I won the 2019 Ernst & Young Emerging Entrepreneur of the Year Award, I had a WTF moment. It was long after midnight, Liz and I had been partying late with a bunch of famous business people and millionaires. Now we are back at the Omni Hotel at the Battery Atlanta, where we'd been put up in an executive suite with a balcony that looked onto the field where the Atlanta Braves play. I turned out the lights, lay down, and thought, wow, that was a cool day. But I didn't fall asleep to that thought. Instead, my brain flashed back to where I came from. I was 18 years old again, back at the university hospital, staring at nine babies, not knowing which one was mine. That was the day my daughter Hannah was born. Two lives started the day my firstborn came into the world. One was hers. The other was my rebirth. I didn't know it in that moment, but everything was about to change. I wanted to see my baby girl so bad, but I wasn't allowed. Excuse me, I'm here to see Elizabeth Stalvey, I said to the nurse. I stood in front of the admissions nurse at the front counter of the birth unit at University Hospital where I rolled up with my buddy, Ben. She scanned her list. There's no one here by that name, she said. We were two 18-year-old kids pretending to be men. The fact that I needed a sidekick was an obvious tell. My first union sales rep shirt didn't make me any more of an adult either. To the nurse, we were two little boys playing dress-up. Uh, yeah, there is, I said. Liz is here now. She was being induced. She's having our baby today. Her mom and sister's cars are in the parking lot. I just saw them. The nurse checked her list again. No, there's no one here with that name sorry. She didn't really look sorry. It turned out that Liz's mom made her use an alias at the hospital because she didn't want me there. I was a high school dropout, the trailer park kid who knocked up her 17-year-old daughter. The entire pregnancy had been a fight between Liz's mother and me. Her mom tried to get us to abort Hannah or give her up for adoption. 
We fought Liz's mom hard and just long enough that the abortion was no longer an option. She retaliated by admitting Liz to a maternity home, which is a residential facility where women go to have babies, and often so it's kept a secret. I had to break Liz out of that place. One night, a buddy and I drove up to the side of the building with the window to her dorm room. Moments later, a seven-month pregnant Liz slid a panel of glass open and popped the screen out with a pair of tweezers. One step at a time, she descended two flights of shaky fire escape. Then, we put her in my car and drove away. So the fact that we'd even made it to this day at the hospital was a damn miracle. Are you serious? I can't see my kid being born, I said to the nurse. The best she could do was direct us to the visitation area to see all the babies in the maternity ward. This was in 1998, so these were the days before protection laws. Anyone was allowed to view the latest batch of newly baked newborns through a glass window. We didn't know which baby was which, but we could go see them. So we took the elevator up one level. I had a bulky Polaroid camera around my neck, which I wore like a rapper's neck bling. I was proud of it. I'd saved up for seven months to buy it so I could use it specifically for this day. I had imagined handing it to Ben and click having him capture the first moments of me holding my little girl. The gadget was also a badge of progress, evidence I was doing okay in life. Sure, I dropped out of school, but I'd landed a first union sales job. I'd moved out of my parents' trailer. I had an apartment of my own. Once I was a dad, I figured I would get a lot of use out of my new Polaroid toy. Life would finally be good enough for taking pictures. But standing there snapping photos of nine unknown newborns, I questioned my purchase for the first time. This camera was supposed to be for capturing the first photo of my baby, not a group shot of her and her eight new cooing buddies. Later that night, Ben and I sat with my parents around their kitchen table. We searched the baby's faces in the photos looking for traces of me. One by one, we tried to figure out which baby was mine. That was one of the best days of my life. It was one of the worst, too. I cried my ass off right there at my parents' kitchen table. No more trying to be a grown-ass man. I was a hot fucking mess. I snapped, but in the right kind of way because I also woke up. I hit an emotional breaking point. I was sick of being denied what I wanted in life. The story I'd been telling myself for years was that I could never get what I really wanted, and I didn't qualify. Sitting at that kitchen table, that story finally got old. So I drew my own damn line and started to walk across it. Everything must change. I'm on a mission now. I can't fail. Game on. The shift I went through that day forever molded my approach to life, and it persists to this day. My mantra now is every day's a playoff game. The one thing that hasn't changed is that I still only play to win. By the end of this book, if I have it my way, you will start operating as if every day is a playoff game too. And better, you won't have to go through the kind of shit I did to start thinking this way. Fast forward two decades, I'm married to Liz. We have four great kids. I'm a grandfather because Hannah has her own children now. But I still have flashbacks about that day. Maybe a little lingering PTSD at times. This is why when something amazing happened to me, like winning the 2019 Ernst & Young Emerging Entrepreneur of the Year Award, my brain screamed, what the fuck? This can't be happening to me. In business, this happens a lot for any entrepreneur playing to win. Take Kevin Plank, for example. 
You've probably worn his clothes. While playing college football, he had the spark for the idea called Under Armour. Starting a clothing company normally requires that you take on investors. Instead, Kevin saved $20,000 of his own money and went into a $40,000 of credit card debt to get Under Armour off the ground in 1996. In the first year, he only made $17,000 in sales. Now that's a what the fuck moment. It is also the type of event that happens and causes entrepreneurs to change course and lose sight of where they are trying to go. Fear sets in. Doubt. The odds feel stacked against you. Kevin kept following his own map. Despite long odds, growing credit card interest, and a market that didn't yet understand the product, Kevin kept on track by contracting directly with 12 NFL teams and picking up new sales from there. He was consistent and persistent. Perseverance. In 2019, Under Armour hit $5 billion in sales and doesn't seem to be slowing down its massive growth anytime soon. The point is that he didn't follow anyone's map. He set his own course and was relentless in following it. Owning your power starts with knowing where you want to go. You may not know how you're going to get there or how long it will take, but don't deviate from the destination. The next time you put on a pair of Ray-Bans or get your reading glasses at LensCrafters, think about a poor kid with nine fingers who made it possible for you. This kid is Leonardo Del Vecchio. He was one of five kids born to his widowed mother. His mother put him in an orphanage, which had to have sucked. Then, when he got too old for the orphanage, he went to work in a factory, making molds for auto parts and eyeglass frames and lost part of his finger on the job. Do you think the story on repeat in his head was very great at this point? No. But what I am positive is true is that he knew he was not going to die a nine-finger orphan who worked in a factory his entire life. At 23, he opened up his own molding shop. Today, he is the founder and chairman of Luxitica, which makes brands like Ray-Ban and Oakley, with 6,000 retail shops like Sunglass Hut and LensCrafters. His estimated net worth now is above $10 billion. He made his own map. Reciting your underdog story over and over again in your head while following the plans and expectations of other people is an act of insanity. If you're tired of not having the exact life you want and deserve, then you must change it by making your own map. I keep repeating this so it sticks in your head. Underdog stories exist everywhere. Take Mike Ashley, for example. He is the founder of Sports Direct. He is a fellow high school dropout. At 16, he left school to play squash and became nationally recognized. But then, without warning, an injury ended his career. And he was left out in the cold with no cash. I don't know the guy personally, but I'm willing to bet that he had some tears at his own kitchen table. I'm also willing to bet, like me, he woke up. Everything must change. I'm on a mission now. I cannot fail. Game on. Mike Ashley is now one of the most powerful people in British business, worth an estimated $6.6 billion. Ashley has reportedly made most of his fortune through buying sports brands. He owns Danae, Coromore, and Kangle, to name a few. Most notable, perhaps, is Dunlop Slaziger, which he bought for $40 million. He definitely did not follow other people's map. 
How did he go from high school dropout and defunct athlete to billionaire? Those details are in his book. I can give you hundreds of stories like this that prove my point. There is no one way to live your best life. So let's start by figuring out what story is keeping you from making a map and following it. What's your underdog story? You may feel that you're an underdog, both personally and professionally. Perhaps you were bullied in school. Perhaps you have a job where you were treated a lowly underlying. Perhaps you own your own business that is fighting for survival against the competition. My story began when I was a child and continued into early adulthood. The beginnings of Make Your Own Map Principle took shape in the early days of my life, back before I even knew what to call it, back when my own stories about my life ran the show. We all have stories that we use to rationalize why we're the underdog. When life doesn't turn out the way you want, there's probably some crap story you use to rationalize it. When your business fails, you decide that it was because your employees didn't do their jobs, not because you might have had a faulty business plan or sucked at sales or had a weak management in place. You're too old or you're too young or you didn't go to school or you didn't have enough money to start that business or your front teeth are too crooked. Even people who seem to have it good have a story. Maybe you were born privileged and have money but zero life skills. The circumstances don't matter. The story is what holds us back. I know this now, but I didn't when I was a kid. My parents did their best, but we didn't have a lot of money growing up. I had a lot of, wow, what would that be like moments. Others always had what I didn't. Even though I was a trailer park kid with knockoff clothes, it wasn't all bad. Every summer, my parents took me and my two siblings, Jeremy and Jesse, to Disneyland. It was the only trip we took each year, and they saved all their money for it. We lived in Phoenix, Arizona until I was 14 years old. Our family couldn't afford to fly to Disney, so we drove to California, usually in a car that did not have air conditioning. Most of the trip's budget was spent on the tickets that got us into the park. The rest of the dollars my parents had saved were carefully rationed to make them last. Each penny was allocated for basic survival expenses to make the trip happen. There was the cost of gas to get us between the color gates of the park and our shoddy motel room. Not a hotel, there's a difference, with wall-to-wall wood paneling and pilled floral bedding that you really don't want to sleep in. The one-star experience that supported our time at the park didn't stop us. The whole family loved our Disney trips. We go early and stand in horribly long lines with ear-to-ear grins plastered to our faces. We'd alternate screaming and laughing on all the rides. We were like the idyllic, way-too-happy families from Disneyland commercials. All hands in the air on all the roller coasters, lots of Mickey Mouse high fives and wide-eyed happiness and all the theme park madness. It is truly the happiest place on earth. I certainly thought so. Each afternoon, we put the fun on pause to hike back to the motel. My mom made peanut butter and strawberry or bologna and mustard sandwiches with all the house brand ingredients tucked into a dumpster cooler. We chow them down, slurp back our one ration can of soda each, and then head right back. Somewhere between the minivan and the line for rides, I could see a future where I was in control. Where I could buy the snacks at the park if I wanted to and stay in an actual hotel. I started to see life as a map with places I knew I wanted to avoid and other places I wanted to travel to. 
Eventually, I realized I was the driver of the car following the map too. And over time, I got tired of driving the rutted roads or worse, being driven by someone else down dusty roads. I wanted control. You can only take shit for so long. The day Hannah arrived was a departure point for me. It was my turn to drive. Now, a word from our sponsors. You can live life like every day is a playoff game, no matter who you are or where you came from. You don't have to have an unplanned kid or a trailer park existence or a one-star Disneyland childhood. You make your own map in life and you can start at any time. A map for life, a plan for your business. Every day that you wake up is a new day to navigate life. You're in the driver's seat, figuring out what route to take moment to moment. Take the scenic route or the highway. Or maybe you drive right through the city core in a bright blue Lamborghini because you're a loud asshole like someone I know who likes to make his presence known. Bam! Go for it. That's cool, too. This every day is a new day type of thinking applies to your business as well. Do you want to explore a new marketing campaign? Expand your product offerings? Increase the size of your business? You're at the wheel. Make the most of it. What can you do today? Your journey is your own. The business you create is your own. You get to pick it. You get to design it. You get to make the business plan. Nobody else. It's your God-given right. Now, whether or not you realize it, you're also headed toward a destination. And again, you can decide what that is. You can create and redesign your business plans as many times as you need to. We often forget that we have this power. For the first quarter of my life, I lived like I didn't have a choice. Think about it. Have you ever driven and barely noticed the road? Or driven on cruise control with a GPS babbling at you? Where you wait for the voice to tell you where to go? Take the next right turn on Jameson Avenue. Sure, it makes driving easier. But what are you going to do when you lose your Wi-Fi connection? Too many people live their lives and run their business this way. Just following the route someone else is dictating. Honestly, some people aren't even driving the car they've been given. They just stay put with their metaphorical keys in the ignition and never taking any steps forward. That will never make you happy or successful. I'd go as far to say it's not a life at all. You'll never get back the time you waste on the wrong street following the wrong map. That means every decision in life has value. But that doesn't mean we should be paralyzed by those decisions. Every action you take results in useful feedback, even if it involves a business mistake or failure. You learn what to do next. The only real way to fail is to not choose a path. If you turn right and don't like that path, you can make a U-turn. Congratulations, you win. Or maybe you'll find a hidden route to get there faster. Congratulations, you win. You redesign your marketing strategy. Maybe it turns out the turn was the best decision you ever made, or maybe it felt like the worst, and it'll take some time to recover. Congratulations, you win. When my family can't decide or my teams flip-flop and stall, it drives me crazy. Either we do or we don't. If we decide to get there, it's a win no matter what. The catch is that you must be tuned into life all the time. If you're the driver, the map maker, and the navigator, or the driving force behind your business, you must pay attention. 
you must notice the path you're on, think about where you've been, and remind yourself where you're going. Every single choice we make creates our maps or drives the success or failure of our companies and moves us closer to the destinations we're driving toward. Every day I make my map, just like you do, in all my choices from moment to moment. Am I going to go to the gym today? Or maybe I'll decide to tell Power Home Solar, I quit. Ah. Am I going to drive my son to school today or send him on the bus? We get one life. We don't get a do-over or a reset, so we must be strategic. Make your own map is a principle that operates in life as well as business. It helps you keep focused on where you want to go instead of just driving to drive. I can easily spot the difference between someone who has a map and someone who doesn't. It is also evident in business they flounder and ultimately fail. You need a map or a business plan to keep you on track and focused. That was me before Hannah. Now, everything I do is intentional, and in most basic terms, it is always asking, what do I want to do here? What decision am I going to make? And then I follow through. Before we go any further, let's acknowledge the roadblock that's in all our way. There will be times when we feel like we don't have a choice, but it's not true. It's the crap our minds make up. Learning how to make the best choices despite outside forces is how we make our own maps. We can't let fear, insecurity, and naysayers own our journeys. If you're not happy or fulfilled, you're not living your one life, period. Making your business plan work. Whether it is business or your approach to life, engaging Make Your Own Map is nuanced. So I've made a three-part formula for you to follow. You need to know how to play to win, not avoid losing. Be bold, be different, be willing to not be liked. Live for a purpose bigger than you. Now let me walk you through each component. Play to win, not to avoid losing. Taking life as it comes is playing to avoid losing. It is settling, doing everything you can to play it safe and minimize risk. Many of those choices you make will fall into this camp, and that's okay. But you don't want to live there. Many people take more safe bets than inspired risks. They do what people around them do and suppress what they want to fly under the radar in the land of normal. Playing to win is the opposite. It's when you choose the inspired path. You take risks. You go for the epic path. You do what you want. Believe in it. Stand for it no matter what other people think. Sticking with the car analogies, playing to win is like shifting gears on the car you're driving. It's a success mindset strategy that amplifies your approach to life altogether. Think about it this way. You can make a map no matter what you're driving. But if you know how to operate your vehicle, you'll be able to travel that map much more efficiently. Hannah's birth shifted me into overdrive. Before her, I was just existing. I was playing in life to avoid losing. And my life matched that attitude. I had a small apartment and a sales job where I earned very little. My mindset wasn't big enough back then for me to own a billion-dollar company. I thought small, and my life reflected my limitations. You don't have to have a major life change to make an attitude adjustment. At any moment, you can choose. Who are you going to be? You get to choose to play to win or play to avoid losing. 
Are you going to settle for having a small middle of the road company? Or are you aiming for the first in the field? After my breakdown the night Hannah was born, I hired an attorney and filed for joint custody. That was playing to win. From that moment, I started living more powerfully. Of course, I didn't stay in overdrive all the time, but I did start training myself to get there faster. By the end of this book, you'll be able to get there too. But you must practice playing to win by taking risks and doing what inspires you, even if it pisses other people off. Playing to win feels different. You don't feel like you're settling. When you make a choice and feel excited, lit up, and thrilled about it, then you're playing to win. Anything that makes you feel defeated or resigned is just not it. I saw the difference on my pop's face when I was 14 years old. Life or business, choose the plan that is best for you. My dad worked for AT&T, and one day his office closed. He was given the choice to move and work out of another location or be laid off with no severance. I knew this because my parents were pretty cool with us kids. They never hid their adult conversations. So when they delivered the news, I knew it was coming. Jason, we're moving to North Carolina, my mom said. My dad stood next to her, looking stern but defeated. It's one of the only times I've seen him a bit emotional. Except I'd been in an earshot down the hall listening to the entire conversation. And moments earlier, this had been their discussion. Mike thinks we should stay. And I should open a sub shop. We could stay here, my dad said. You could open up a bakery. His friend, Mike Roberts, ran a video store and pitched my dad on the idea of opening a submarine sandwich joint. He said he'd help and my mom could open a bakery. With Sherry's Bake Shop, Billy's Subs, and Mike's video store in place, the three of them would own the strip. Wafts of cookies and subs would permeate and mix with the popcorn fumes of the video store, and customers would be lured from one shop to the next. I heard the pitch of my mom's voice rise as they talked about it. She was pleased my dad thought her baking was good enough for a shop. They were both inspired for about 10 seconds. Then, practicality kicked in. But Jeremy and Jesse have asthma. Their meds are expensive, he continued. And you really only have 10 more years left at AT&T, my mom said. So we moved. And not because it was a better choice. North Carolina was a downgrade. We went from a house to our baby blue trailer that didn't even have bricks around it for the longest time. Being moved to a brand new place, I felt just like the exposed, rusty underbelly of that blue trailer. Because of fear, my dad chose not to play to win. He played to not lose. He was playing safe, and that's okay. I saw that and think even then, it had an impact. But I didn't appreciate this difference when kids at school noticed my Tommy Hilfiger shirt was a fake and started to make fun of me. From there, the judgments came. Oh, you live in Southbrook in the trailer park. I knew I was being selfish, but I wanted to stay with my friends in Arizona. I came with a style and attitude that didn't mix with the North Carolina crowd. I dressed like most of my Arizona friends, Dickies and a bandana. In Arizona, no one was judgmental about where you lived or how much money you had. But people in North Carolina cared about things like what kind of car I drove, which at the time was a $300 multicolored 84 Dodge Lancer with insulation falling out of the top. For a kid who used the car to help his family by delivering papers with his dad at night, a son who watched his dad struggle all his life 
This was culture shock. And unfortunately, it led to my eventual expulsion from school after struggling to fit in, resulted in several altercations and fistfights. Benji was the one friend I made. This was the same guy who came with me to the hospital the day Hannah was born. And he was there when I first started to make my own map. My mom loves to play gin rummy and spades. Mom, Benji, and I would often be at the trailer playing cards. While one of us shuffled, Benji and I would talk business. I remember telling my mom around the cusp of turning 16, Me and Ben, we're going to start our own operation one day. We're going to drive a Winnebago around and then we're going to travel the world. My parents never did anything like that. The first time they left American soil was in 2019. I took them out of America and flew them over to Turks and Caicos for a holiday. Despite my parents pressuring me to finish school, go to college, and get a real job, I knew it was not my path. I ended up becoming a teenage dad and, like my father, was motivated to work and provide. That motivation was ignited by my wife's family, who also judged me for where I lived. Their comments hurt my wife, inspiring a sick motivation in me to do whatever I had to do to be in a financial position to one day handle all our expenses. Playing to win, not avoid losing, might look different from one person to the next. It might be changing careers and going back to school when you're 40. It might look like starting a dream business and building it in the evenings while you earn a paycheck at a job that you hate until you can quit. It might look like picking up the phone to call a person you think is way more successful than you. Whatever it is, playing to win is making sure you're cool with the route you're on. Do you want a life that is safe, where you settle, and is mediocre? Or do you want a life where you play full out, 100%, even when you're scared? While you might have more moments of fear on the map you're making, you'll be way more fulfilled if you set out with this mindset. Be bold, be different, be willing to not be liked. Since your map has an expression of you, your journey should be as unique as your DNA. Living by the make-your-own-map principle means you must be willing to do the opposite of what others around you are doing, which also means not being liked by everyone. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. You might make people angry. You might look like a fool. You might make a mistake. But you'll learn what you're made of. You'll also see how much more people respect you. Plus, you'll be way happier because you're living life on your terms. So how do you override the discomfort of being bold? Know what you stand for and take bold actions from your place of truth. Not being liked is only tough for a person when they are not secure about who they are. Pause here. How are you in yourself? Doing what everybody else does doesn't make you stand out. But that's not actually a good thing. They're all the same. Same never gets anyone anywhere. Elon Musk is successful because he's different. Bill Gates is different. Jeff Bezos is fucking different. Owning your differences is a skill that, like any skill, you practice. You consult with yourself on what you want and believe you should do, and then you commit to taking action. Two years after Hannah was born, I started being more of a pedal-to-the-metal kind of guy. Life was getting better, too. I made more bold moves. I started winning in business. I earned enough to buy a house. I showed myself and everyone around me that I was finally doing what I wanted. 
one day out of the blue, I asked Liz to marry me. Her family still didn't want us to be together. We fought a lot. My relationship with her parents was up and down, and Hannah was being shuffled between us. One day we were playing house, and the next we weren't. One week we're on, and the next week we're off. But I was 20 years old and starting to experience some success. So I decided that I was ready to buy a house, and I called Liz up first. Look, I'm going to buy this house. I don't want to live there by myself. You and Hannah should move in with me. Let's get married. Bold. Different. Willing to not be liked. Bam! I did it. Liz got off the phone, called, and dumped her boyfriend. We were in an off-again period. And pulled up to my apartment building an hour later. She was in everyday clothes, a black t-shirt, and khaki-colored pants. And so was I. We went down to the Justice of Peace right then and got married. Bam! Just like that. Afterward, I told Liz we're going to see her mom. Her mom still hated me, but I looked her mom in the face and I told her how it was going to be. Look, this is my family now, I said. If you want anything to do with us, you're going to respect me. This is what it is. Then I told her I'd bought a house and we were going to move in when it was ready, but in the meantime, we needed to stay with her. I had to leave my apartment rental, I continued. So I'm going to live here together with my wife and my kid for a few weeks until the house is finished. Is that a problem? It wasn't. I learned that day that if you stand up for what you believe and ask for what you want, people respect that. They may not like it or agree, but they'll respect it. And that is a big deal. I earned my mother-in-law's respect that day. The bigger deal, I respected myself. That's what being bold and standing in your values gets you. Live for something bigger than you. Being bold is not always easy. I get it. So I have one final practice to make you push past the fear. Live for a why that's bigger than you. I believe a CEO should be very involved in the community and not only be involved, but be passionate about it. If you're going to employ people in a local area, you're going to serve customers in that area. You need to serve the community and be a voice. You're the leader of an organization and you need to bring that out of the people in the locations you're at. You want to make a difference, not for just your business, but for the community. I think we've done a great job with that at Power Home Solar. Whether it be supporting military makeover by giving deserving veterans a free solar energy system or donating thousands to Give Power Foundation in support of providing clean water to people around the world or in an outreach effort like Gobble Gobble Give or Toys for Tots, we want to make a difference in everything we do. On my podcast, True Underdog, I interview the world's most successful millionaires and billionaires, and I get a lot of questions from entrepreneurs starting out who think the wrong way about success. I just want to be rich. How do I become a multimillionaire like you, Jason? They ask. That is the wrong question, and it's coming from the wrong mindset. Think that way, and it might make you rich, but it won't get you to fulfillment. You must think bigger. The question to ask here, is how are you going to change the world? Can you create a successful business that also makes the world a better place? People struggle with the make-your-own-map principle when they don't have an exciting destination they want to get to. It doesn't have to be an objectively big goal, but it does have to be bigger than you. At the end of this chapter, you'll be asked seriously to think about your destination and commit to it. 
you'll know you've landed on the right something by how it feels. Think of when you get excited because you're driving to the airport for a trip, a sports game to see your favorite team play, or out on a date. You feel like you just can't get there soon enough. You're energized. All you can think about is what's to come. That's the kind of feeling you want when you consider the destination you're heading toward or the company you want to create. Where are you going? What's your why? And most importantly, who other than you is it for? Everything is easier when you live for a cause, something greater than yourself. You'll blow yourself away with where you get to in life when you do this. When you live for any mission greater than yourself, when your purpose is for other people, here's what happens. You work much harder. You achieve greater outcomes faster because you're working much harder. You feel inspired, alive, and energized. You tap into a level performance that you didn't know existed. You drop your own petty reasons for not having what you want. You drop your bullshit excuses. Hannah helped me to stop thinking only about me. It was Liz, Hannah, and me. And then we added three more to the Waller pack, my daughter, Mackenzie, her sister, London, and then my son, Christian. And now Hannah is married and I have two grandkids. There's also my business partner, Kevin Klink, my executive team, the employees we pay, and every person who puts our solar panels on their house. I've never stopped living for my family and the people I serve. Whatever motivates you is the destination you design your map or business plan around. The key is that it's got to be selfless. You can't do something for just yourself. It's got to be bigger than you. For some people, it's as simple as wanting to help their parents out or care and provide for a kid. There are doctors who want to save lives, teachers who want to teach, and first responders who want to be there whenever someone needs them. Those purposes are all bigger than the people themselves. For me, early on, it was to provide and give my daughter the best life she could possibly have. Remember, her life started pretty screwed up. Her family was a mess from the moment that her mom had to hide her dad in the hospital. I had a lot of ground to make up. I had to make that better. I lived for her. Success isn't being rich or famous. It's making an impact in life for other people besides ourselves. That is when we feel joy. That is when we find success. Life should be a joyride, even for underdogs. It's the little decisions in life, the left, the right turns that adds up to big wins and the coolest, most mind-blowing destinations. Living for a why greater than myself is how I won the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award in 2019. Success always follows when you live for a why greater than you. In our business, we're up for all kinds of awards. Not that I don't care about awards, but I'm more focused on building value in the company than plaques with our name on them. I had no clue what the EY award was or that it was important. Then one week before the event, Liz and I hosted a couple's game night. I'm friends with a couple of Lions football players, and we have them and a couple of neighbors all over after the kids are in bed to play games and enjoy each other's company. My buddy Brian works for Ernst & Young and told me that he had heard about my nomination. Hey man, congrats on the nomination for the Entrepreneur of the Year Award for the Southeast. Oh, thanks. You heard about that, I asked. My team had posted on social media, but I didn't think anyone really noticed. Yeah, you going to the banquet thing? Nah, man. You're not going to meet the judges to try to win, he asked. Nope. Three months before the award is given publicly at a fancy gala, all the judges and nominees gather. 
each nominee must present to a panel and state why they should be the winner. Dude, this is a big deal. Damon John from Shark Tank won it. You need to go to this, he said. Shit. I texted Roger, my marketing manager, and told him I needed to go. The event was one week away, and Roger made a handful of calls to important EY people to claim my spot. Then he booked me a flight, claimed my seat at the dinner, and met me in Charlotte with the manila folder full of information. The brief explained who was going to be there, including 25 other nominees, and what I needed to do. He prepared me for a cocktail party that was taking place before the judges' panel the next day. I was a little intimidated when Roger and I went to the party, which is unusual. I had to make quick decisions to be there. I had made a sharp right turn on my map, and it all happened fast. As Roger and I were mingling and talking to the nominees, I noticed they were all dry run pitching to each other while they should win. And the stories were mostly angled around MBA's awards and dollars made. We made our way to Chevnery Arnold, who runs the program for EY out of the Southeast. As a TV screen behind us showed a sports anchor talking about the NBA draft. There is talk of Zion going back to Duke, the anchor reported. I made a comment about it, and Chevnery asked me if that's where I went to college. I didn't go to college, I said. Oh, you're the one, she said. The one what? You're one of the first nominees for the EY Award who didn't go to college. The difference between me and the other nominees was that I didn't have an MBA. When Chevry told me that, I had a moment of panic. There's no way I'll win, I thought for a split second. Then, I decided the only choice I had was to own my adversity. It was the best decision I could have made. The next day, I had to go into an interview first with 10 judges in one room, and then another room with another 10 judges. Later, when Roger called me to see how it went, I said, There's not a thing I could have done different, Raj. I dropped the mic. I chose the moment I led with all the shit that made me an unlikely candidate, an underdog, which also made me the best candidate there ever was for that award. Because I made my map. I decided. I committed. I spoke boldly. I was there for my family, my team. I didn't care what anyone thought, so I spoke my truth. I told them I should win the Entrepreneur of the Year Award because I didn't go to college, because nothing was handed to me, because I bootstrapped from nothing. Because this was the third business I had built. Because I sacrificed my home and didn't get paid for almost two years when I built Power Home. I told them to double down on betting on me and this company because we were building a movement. Bam! Three months later, in a suit and bow tie with all my partners and Liz around the banquet table, I panicked. I'd been so confident until that point. I was telling everyone I had it in the bag. I was going to win. I freaked out. What if I don't win? I said to Liz. That wouldn't be good, she said. But then they called my name, and it was surreal and freaking cool. I'd made it to one cool destination, all by staying true to myself, my family, and my map. I want the same for you. You get to say how your life goes. You get to make your own map. Start now. 
Thank you so much for listening to the True Underdog Podcast Own Your Power series. Make sure you subscribe and listen next week. We'll be catching up on more of the book coming up, and you can always go to oypbook.com to get your copy of the book right now. Own Your Power. No excuses, no bullshit. Your time is now. Again, thank you to all the subscribers out there, and thank you for everyone supporting me in the book, making it an Amazon USA Today and a Wall Street Journal top seller. And that concludes another episode here on True Underdog. If you're interested in hearing more, make sure you subscribe at iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or the YouTube channel. You can always visit trueunderdog.com. Subscribe to all of them. Make sure you check out our newest episodes coming out on Mondays and Thursdays. True Underdog, baby. Bam! 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 True Underdog. Bam! 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 B